Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're gonna hear some practical teaching from God's word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the giving tab and choose online campus as your campus. Thanks again for joining us today. and We hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Yes? Everyone across all of our campuses. Can we welcome everybody who's new today? Everybody who's new. Everybody who's been here for five years. Everybody who's been here since the beginning at our Banta campus, our Garfield Park campus, our Franklin campus. Everybody watching online. And of course, everyone right here at Greenwood. We just want to welcome you. My name is Aaron Beasley. I am the Emmanuel Church Banta campus pastor. And we have been in a series called The Ultimate Guide. And what we've been saying in this series is that the word Bible, people use the word Bible in the titles of their books like the Finance Bible, the Real Estate Bible, the Yoga Bible, the Swoley Bible, which you can tell I do not read that often. Um, we, we, we talk about those things because they're, they're trying to say that they're the guide to this subject, that they've got authority on this subject. And that's why they use the title Bible in it as well, because this book carry some authority because it's the very words of God. You know, I think our pastor actually missed a couple as he's been doing this series. I, I looked and I, saw, I found the Fortnite Bible. That's right. If you want to know how to win in the battle royale, here's what's great is I started playing this a little bit ago, like a long time ago, uh, and I played it once because a bunch of 10-year-olds destroyed me. Um, and I was like, I'm never playing this again, okay, because this is not fun for me. I don't know what's happening. But there's a Bible for it. And then I was looking for a Bible about a game that I love called Settlers of Catan. Maybe you've heard me talk. I love this game. It's one of my favorite games. And I couldn't find a Bible on it, and that is because I haven't written it yet. That's right. (laughs) Because if you want strategies on how to win, how to play this game, whatever, you should come talk to me because I win in this game. You will not beat me. I promise you this. Give me all the ore. Anyways, that doesn't matter. I love this game. But we are in this series because, in the end, the reason why it's called The Ultimate Guide is because this book is actually the ultimate guide to life. Like, on how to have peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, even when things don't go our way. In a world that's full of chaos and destruction and pain, and where people are turning to substances and social media and all these things to try to figure out life, This book actually has the guide to it. It's why Jesus said this in Matthew 7. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is like a wise person who built their house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the wind beats against the house. By the way, what he's saying here is it doesn't matter if you're a good person, a bad person, you're not going through something, you are going through something, whatever, here's what's going to happen. Storms are going to come. The rain is going to hit your house. The floodwaters are going to rise. The wind's going to beat against it. And if you aren't prepared, if you don't build it on this, you will fall apart. Because any house that's built on this, it won't collapse. Because it's built on the rock. And that is why we've been going through this series. And in the first week, our pastor talked about what you sow 
is what you reap. This book teaches us that what we sow is what we will reap. It also teaches us that the most important, the week two he talked about, is that I need to take care of my soul. What's going on in here is the most important thing in my life. And last week he talked about sharpening the blade. Like the Bible teaches, the word of God, the ultimate guide teaches that we need to pause and hone our skills to move forward. And you can check out any of those weeks on our YouTube channel, on our website if you miss any of them. But I get to bring to you week four about something this ultimate guide tries to teach us so that we can have our life built on this rock. And that is that we need to be humble. And in our world today, there's not a lot of humbleness going around. That actually includes myself. You know, I'm a prideful person. I just told you I was the best at Settlers of Catan and you can't beat me. (laughs) Not that I'm not a prideful person. Actually, I am. Towards my wife, towards my families, towards right here at this job. Lots of times I think I know the best way to do things and that my way is right. Because I'm prideful. And what the ultimate guide is teaching us is we need to be humble because this world does not teach that. Actually, James, the brother of Jesus, mentions this. He says, and he, God, gives grace generously as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Like, God is willing to just give grace to us. He wants to give grace to us. He's a generous God that will give us grace, but he can't give it people who are proud. He opposes it. It's why Jesus taught this in Luke chapter 14. He says this, those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He's saying, you try to make your name known, you try to bring yourself much glory, you will be humbled at some point. But you live your life with humility, you'll be exalted in my kingdom. But what is humility then? Like if we need to be humble, we need to kind of define what humility is. And this is what humility is. It's the proper view of oneself in light of who God is. In light of who God is. Like this is what God means by being humble. Like you need to have a proper view of yourself in light of who God is. Or another way to say it is an appropriate smallness. Appropriate smallness. Like, let me teach you uh, what I mean by that. So, when I was in middle school, uh, I, I thought I was going to be a professional athlete. Okay, I thought I would be a professional athlete, and here's the truth: I was five foot four in middle school. All right, so I was probably average height, pretty tall. I was playing basketball, and then uh, freshman year of high school hit, and everyone else kept growing, and I pretty much stayed the same. I am like 5'6", I'm going to say I'm 5'7", all right, to make myself feel better about myself. And so there's an appropriate smallness that hit me of I'm probably not going to be a professional basketball player, probably not going to be a professional athlete. Actually, here's our worship leader, me and Joey right here. Joey's 6'1", 6'2". I am much smaller than he is, okay? There's an appropriate smallness where most of my friends are way taller than me. You know, there's another appropriate smallness where Joey hit. Joey played high school basketball, but then we got around the Zeller boys. If you don't know who the Zellers are, (laughs) Cody Zeller's in the NBA right now. Luke Zeller, this is his brother. They're both seven foot, okay? There was an appropriate smallness that hit Joey because this is Joey right here. (laughs) And I look like a little man baby in this picture. (laughs) Like seriously, like someone's gonna hand me a bottle. I'm so small (laughs) compared to these men. 
They're huge. It's crazy. To make myself feel better about myself, here's me blocking my one-year-old daughter's shot on a Fisher-Price goal. Because, <laughs> you know, I haven't been feeling good about myself lately as I was preparing this talk. Because anyways, there's an appropriate smallness that comes when you're around people like that. I realized I probably wasn't going to be an athlete. You know, and what God means by appropriate smallness, what he means by humility is the proper view of ourselves in front of who God is. Like, here's what that means. I'm not the center of the universe. Not at my family, not in my church, now, I'm not, I'm not at my job, not at your job, our jobs. We're not the center of the universe. Actually, we need to take ourselves out of the center of the universe, realize that God's the one that everything works around because he created it, and then put ourselves back in the universe as just a small part of it. I'm not the center. I'm just a small part. That's what it means by appropriate smallness. That is what the definition of humility is. So why do we need humility then? Well, because pride destroys everything. Pride is destroying everything. It's destroying our marriages. It's destroying relationships. Some of us today, we don't have good relationships with family members because we've never sought forgiveness. We are too prideful. It's ruining our churches. Some of us today, we couldn't worship right because we didn't like the songs that were picked. Not because they were sinful, but because we're prideful. Some of us say, we, we're not growing in our jobs, we're not moving in our jobs because we're prideful. We, we get in arguments with the boss or coworkers, and all of a sudden, we're, we're, we're realizing that maybe this isn't the company for us. We're getting in problems. Pride's destroying our country. You're either right or you're wrong, and there's no in-between. And by the way, I'm right. <laughs> Pride's destroying everything. This is why in Proverbs 16, 18, we've shared this verse before, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Like, right before your destruction are our falls is pride and haughtiness. St. Augustine, he's a, he's, a theo, uh, he's a theologian back in the day, he wrote this, it was pride that changed angels into devils. You know the devil used to be an angel, and then he got prideful and wanted to be God. And now he works against God. But it's humility that makes men as angels. Like, pride destroys everything because first, pride blinds us from our weaknesses. We can't see our own weaknesses. You know, your, your spouse points out something in your life and you're like, I don't want to hear it. That's not true. Like, you know, my wife points out that uh, I'm on my phone all the time and I'm like, no, I'm not. Don't tell me that. And the next thing I know is I'm going back to my phone. See, pride blinds us from our weaknesses. We can see everybody else's weakness, but we can't see our own. Well, you know, my boss, well, this coworker, well, my brother, my sister, my mom, my, my child, Teenagers blame their parents. It blinds us. The Pharisees had this problem. They were the religious leaders of Jesus' day. And they thought they had everything figured out. And Jesus comes on the scene and he starts pointing out things in their life that isn't very Christ-like. Not very God-driven. And they don't like that. And so he says some things right now in this passage that weren't very friendly 
to the Pharisees, and this is what the disciples say. They say, the disciples came to Jesus and said, do you not realize that you've offended the Pharisees? And Jesus replied, every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted. So ignore them. They're blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they're both going to fall in the ditch. He's saying, the Pharisees are too blind to see their weaknesses. Don't follow them. You're going to fall in the ditch too. And pride causes us to not see our own issues in our own lives where we all have them. You know, pride also destroys everything because it doesn't allow us to ask for help. Some of us will search 20 extra minutes in the grocery store instead of asking a worker there where the dry yeast is. Not that that's happened to me. (laughs) Pride doesn't allow us to ask for directions. Pride doesn't allow us to ask for help when our marriages are starting to fall apart. Sometimes we need a male person. It doesn't allow us when we're struggling with depression or anxiety. We're going to get this. We're going to figure this out. And so pride doesn't allow us to ask for help. Teenagers, you're not asking for help with your elders because you know everything. Pride doesn't allow us to ask for help. You don't ask help for the boss, even though you may not know how to do this certain project because you're afraid of what it may look like. Pride keeps us from asking for help, which then it destroys everything because then pride keeps us from growing. We may even ask for the help, but then when we receive the help, we don't put it into action. And so it keeps us from growing. Like, you know, it keeps us from growing with, with other people in relationships because we don't want to ask for forgiveness or say that we're sorry for something. Pride keeps us from growing in our finances because we don't want to create a budget. We don't want to even ask somebody about a budget. We just want to keep charging. Pride keeps us from our health. Like maybe we think we're too far gone with our health, and so we don't seek help, we don't grow in this thing, we don't, grow, we don't read books, we don't move forward with it, and so we just stay the same with our health. Pride keeps us from growing, and so it destroys things. It destroys us. And then pride also destroys everything because it just repels other people. You ever met a one-upper? Like, you know, you go on vacation and you're like, yeah, I went to vacation. And then someone's like, well, I went on three vacations this year. (laughs) I went to London and how did you get past all the COVID restrictions? Anyways. (laughs) And you're like, I don't want to be around that person. You know, pride repels other people because maybe you think you do a better job than all your other employees or even the boss. And so you talk about the boss. You talk about the other employee. Pride repels other people. And so it destroys our lives. But what's so great about this situation with pride is humility can reverse the destruction of pride. Like, you know, if you start to humble yourself right now, if we start to humble ourselves right now, we can reverse the destruction of pride in this moment. Like those four things I just went over. Humility allows you to ask people to tell you what you struggle with, and then you work on changing it. Like, humility allows you to ask for help in your marriage, in your other friendships, in your finances. Fill in the blank. Pride allows you to ask for help at the grocery store. Pride keeps, our humility will allow you to keep growing. You'll keep learning from different people. You'll keep learning about different situations. You won't stay in just the area that you want to stay in with your health, your finances, your physical attributes, whatever it is, your job. You can grow. And humility also 
brings other people around. Like, have you ever been around a person that just encourages you all the time or encourages other people? I want to be around those people. So humility can reverse this destruction of pride. But then the question becomes, how do we develop it then? Like, how do we develop humility? If, if this will reverse the destruction of pride, where pride is destroying our families, our churches, our communities, our country, how can we develop humility so that we can start reversing these trends? Well, first, we have to consider our dependence on an independent God. Consider your dependence on an independent God. Now, what do I mean by this? Well, I'm a dependent being. Uh, I need oxygen. I need water. I need food. I need sleep. I need other people. I need my body to work the right way so that I can function. I'm a dependent being. God is not that way. He is very independent. He does not need oxygen. He does not need food. He does not need water. He doesn't even need other people. And here's why. Because he created all of it. Like, the food I eat comes because he sends the rain and the sun. This building is created because he has allowed things to grow to where we could make this building or the buildings that we're in. Like, he doesn't need oxygen. He breathes it into my lungs. He's very independent, and I am very dependent. This can help me develop humility. You know, another example I can give of, of this thing that I'm saying today is right here. These are my children. They get their looks from their mom. Praise Jesus. <laughs> this is Lucia, and this is Sophia. Can you tell which one's the bigger stinker? The one that's pushing? Yeah, anyways. They are very dependent, very dependent. They can't eat if me and my wife don't give them food. They can't help themselves if we don't help. They can't change themselves if we don't help. We can't get the stuff out of their diapers or get them to the potty if we don't help. Like, they are very dependent on a more independent being even though I'm very dependent. I'm more independent than them. They are very dependent. You know, that is our relationship with God. What's funny is, is even though my daughter here is very dependent on me, there'll be times where we'll put food in front of her, and her pride, she doesn't want that, and so she'll take the food that we place right in front of her, and then she'll push the plate across the table. And then she'll cross her arms and she'll go, I don't want to eat that. And then I want to take my hand and say, child, I could end you. You know, but the truth of the matter is, that's how many of us are with God. I don't like this situation. I, how could you? Some of us don't even believe he exists. And so we treat God, the most independent being there is, the creator of all, with pride and arrogance. 
And yet, God loves us. Let me show you how this is true. I'm going to read this verse in Isaiah. God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and he makes them his tent. He judges the great people of the earth and of the world and the earth and he brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root when he blows on them and they wither. The wind carries them off like shaft. To whom will compare to me? Who is my equal? Ask the Holy One. No one is his equal. Not a president, not an athlete, not a musician. You know how I know this? Because if I took a survey out of all of our campuses, everybody watching online, and I said, name all of the presidents, U.S. presidents in order. I bet you only maybe five people could do it, if even that. Name all the Super Bowl winners. Name all the famous musicians. Couldn't do it. Because there's only one name. That will last. Not Aaron Beasley, not any president. It's the name of Jesus. And so what helps me be humble is that I'm dependent on a very independent God. But what's awesome about our God is it's like with my children. I, he still wants to provide. He still wants to give. He knows how weak we are. This is why in Isaiah 40, if you've been in church a while, you probably know this part of the verse. He says this, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will get new strength. They'll soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint because our God understands how dependent we are on him. But we've got to come to him with a humbleness, a humility that understands the appropriate smallness of where all of us are in this universe. Which brings me to my second point. You want to develop humility? You've got to consider the universe. You know, when I start to throw a pity party for myself, which happens, because I'm not a perfect person, you know, something here at work doesn't go right or somebody says something to me that I don't appreciate or things don't go the way I think they should or my family's struggling or fill in the blank and I start getting upset and prideful and like I know everything. I just look up to the sky. I'll go out at nighttime and look at the moon or I'll go and look at the sun and the clouds and I'll look at everything and I start to realize again how small I am and God starts to bring me back to humility. Like, let me give you some stats here about the universe. Did you know there are more stars than grains of sand on our earth? They, they know this. There's a billion trillion stars that they know of. That's 21 zeros. I didn't even know what that number looked like. Did you know that the earth could fit in our sun 1.3 million times? Did you know the largest known star, star it's a hypergiant, is called UI Scrutiny, and it has a radius that's 1,700 times bigger than our sun? That's a lot of earths that's fitting in that star. Did you know there are over 170 billion galaxies in the observable universe? Like what we can just see. You know it takes 225 million years for our sun to revolve around the galaxy? Our Milky Way galaxy, by the way, is 100,000 light years. And we actually sent uh, a spacecraft up in September of seven, 1977 called the Voyager 1. And it goes 38,000 miles per hour. 
and it's only traveled two light years in all that time. It hasn't even come close to going to our whole Milky Way galaxy. You know, I don't know about you, but when I read those things, I start to realize that I'm not the center of the universe. I'm a small, 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 small part of it. That's why the psalmist says this in Psalms 19. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without saying a word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone out through the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete who's getting prepared and eager to run a race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and it set its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. When I look up to the stars, when I look up to the sun, when I look up to life, I start to realize I'm not the sinner. I am not the most important thing. My opinion doesn't always matter. Because I am a human being and God runs the universe. It helps me be humble. So, you know, I gotta consider that I'm a dependent being on an independent God, and I gotta consider the universe. It helps me develop humility. But this last one really helps me, and that is we've gotta consider the cross. You know what helps me develop humility in my life? The cross. What Jesus Christ did for me on it. Like the cross allows me to start really being a humble person. Because why would a God who by the words of his mouth could spread the sea or could start a new star or could bring the rains or could do whatever he wants, why would he become one of us? Why? It makes no sense. He's the only God that we know that stepped into our own world. That's why he's the only God. And not only that, then he died for us. This is why Paul says this in Philippians, because he's trying to talk to the Philippian church. And oh, is it talking to us today. It is trying to help us become humble people. He says this to the Philippian church. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take on the interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. We don't like that word today. I don't like that word. So I'm going to read it again because this is the humbleness that our God took, the humility that he took. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself again in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. 
That's our God. Like, why is our God worthy to follow? Because he's a God who humbled himself. He didn't use his power for his own gain. You know, if it was me and I came down on this earth and I saw these people, all of us, being arrogant and prideful and hateful to one another, I'd probably just like, zap, you're gone. Zap, you're gone. That's what I would do. But, but our God said, wait a minute. I'm gonna be one of you and I'm gonna live like you and I'm gonna have people hate me and crucify me, but I'm gonna die for you because I'm gonna conquer the biggest problem all of us have and that is the sin in our own hearts. And so he conquered sin and the death by rising again from the cross. And that's why I can be humble or I can work on being humble That's why all of us can. Because of what he did on the cross. And so the first act of humility that all of us have to take to to lead a life that this ultimate guide tells us to lead is we have to humble ourselves and say, my way is not the right way. His is. And we have to accept what he did for us on the cross. We have to believe that he came to this earth and lived like one of us as Paul was teaching us. And he lived the perfect life that you and I couldn't. And then he died for us. To, to take the penalty of our mistakes, our arrogance, our pride, and then rose again to conquer those things. And he lives. So that right now, right where we're at in 2021, we can be more like Jesus to the people around. So I want to give every single person that opportunity today to receive Christ as their Savior. And it's not the words, you can repeat after me, but it's not the words exactly, it's the heart behind the words that matter. And you can say something like this to God, God, I'm a prideful person. I thought that my way is the way to do life. But I'm coming to find out today that it's your way. It's your son Jesus' way. And so I'm asking him in this moment to take my sins, to take my pride, my arrogance, my jealousy, my hate, and change it to help me follow after the ways of Jesus, which brings peace and patience and kindness goodness, faithfulness, even in the most difficult circumstances. So today I'm trusting in you, Jesus, what you did for me on the cross. I'm believing in that. You rose again for me and that you live. I'm putting my trust in you. Thank you, Jesus, for showing me the way to be humble. We love you, we praise you, and we give you this time. Jesus' name, amen. Can we give it up for all those people? Can we give it up for all those people who made that decision today? We've got something for you as a church because we're super excited if you made this decision. It's text the word SAVED to 65248. Text the word SAVED 
to 65248. And after the service, go to the information desk at your campus and they will get you one of these. It's got a Bible. It's got a coffee mug in it. It's got a Bible reading plan. It's got more information about our church. So again, if you made that decision, it's the best decision you can ever make. Text the word SAVED to 65248. Can we give it up one more time to all those people who made that decision? And so my question for all of us is this. Will you choose humility? Will you develop humility? Will you understand, consider the fact that you're a dependent being on an independent God? Will you consider the universe and how big it is? Will you consider the cross? Because I'm gonna tell you, when we walk out these doors today, the world doesn't need more prideful people. Doesn't need more opinions. What it needs is people who are humble and will love the person right next to them. And I promise we do that, and this world will be different. Our churches will be different. Our communities will be different. I believe that our families will be different. So will you join with me today as we close in prayer? God, we thank you so much for who you are. And God, we thank you that you showed us first what humility is. You humbled yourself. You gave up your divine privileges for us. You even died on a cross for us. And so because of that, we ask that your Holy Spirit will consume us and mold us and shape us as we go to work, as we go into our homes, as we go into our neighborhoods. Wherever you take us, God, will you help us be humble people? Help us develop humility so that we can look a little bit more like you and bring your kingdom to this earth. We love you. We praise you. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to dismiss it to our local teams now. See you later.